Hello, this is Elena Pushova, and I am taking break from training backhand to recommending you listening you the Code Violation podcast. Niploa. Oh, I, I he tries to hit me with the ball in the middle of the court and thinks that that's normal for players to try and do that. Well, you know he's yeah. allowed to do that. Okay? Oh yeah, you know that's, that's great. That. And I'm allowed when he hits another ball off the frame into the stands to say, come on. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so just let me handle it. That's exactly it. Just just sit there, let me do it. Fine, that's enough, okay? If you have a problem, talk to me. That's my wife. She had no idea what she was doing um, for me. I just handed her a little script and I said, "Have fun with it." The the backhand was beautiful. The backhand that was beautiful. I'm sure it was a two hander. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a two hander. Why don't you welcome the listeners, Matt? <laughs> welcome, listeners. Um, yeah, that, that's all I got. Well, there there seemed to be some of you, so thank you. Yeah, that was really nice. Uh, we got had some nice words. I was told um, by Nicole that I had a bassoon of a speaking voice which i really appreciated thank you for that then just later today uh when we were going over some of the um things on twitter that we might discuss on the show i was harassed by ajinkia about my uh lack of hair and i interpreted that as age shaming so that was kind of unbelievable from that young man it was right he, he's he looks hirsute from his picture oh that picture he posted the other day he's got like Four pounds of hair on that head. Okay, so I guess, you know, in comparison, but still, I don't know. I don't, that was, was a little below the belt. It was boastful, and, um, and I, won't, I won't soon forget that, Ajinkia. <laughs> shout out. Two shout outs. If you're waiting for Phil, you're going to have to wait one more episode due to scheduling concerns. We're going to have to do like a point counterpoint here. So the idea is... Matt and I are going to toss around some things, and then early next week, Phil will join me when Matt is working and kind of do a counterpoint on some of the things that we've spoken about. So that's the idea. We won't be doing any robo-Phil this time. No. (laughs) I said we were not doing it this time, and uh, I'm going to coax you into things. I'm running with the points here. Did you watch Djokovic today? I watched a long enough to make me throw something at the TV. Fortunately, it was rather small while I was supposed to be getting my children ready for school. And then I put my son's lunch in my backpack. So that's that's the part of Djokovic that I watched today. Is it a common thing if you're a fan of a player to get really scared when they're on court? Um... I would say it depends on who the opponent is. Mr. Batista Agut is, I think, yeah, he's, it's not like he usually wins, but like every single match that he and Novak have played, save I think a couple that were pretty like one-sided, you get this same feeling. And he also seems to make Novak completely insane, which we saw today. It might just be because I'm a Nadal fan cemented in clay season currently that I don't experience this like weird fear. But I also noticed that on the other areas of Twitter that I follow, like the NBA and the NFL, there doesn't seem to be like a big fear factor. And that's something that kind of 
intrigues me a little bit about tennis Twitter. There's so much dread involved. <laughs> like for me, it's it's exciting when my favorite player is coming on to play. Uh, I don't care who they're playing. If they're playing Fed, if they're playing Novak, whoever, like that makes me excited to watch. I never go into it like with this foreboding, which I'm seeing a lot of. Maybe that's just you. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I know. I generally don't have like a sense of foreboding. I mean, I have late. No, and lately that's not even true because lately it's more like, oh well, he's he's won two matches, so that's probably it. So this like winning three matches in a row thing is is a new experience. But it, I think for me, it really depends. The um, big finals against. Um, well, you mentioned him. I was I was going to do the whole. Uh, Lord Voldemort thing and call him he who must not be named, but that guy, uh, yes, that yes fills me with impending doom. But it really depends on the opponent. Stan never fills me with impending doom, and and then yet he wins. So I I don't know. Well, we're also talking about a guy that for what the better part of three years barely lost ever on the tennis court to anyone. So that was a good time. Yeah, I'm sure. I would like to see less fear and more excitement, is all I'm saying. Okay. Well, you know what I would like to see? I, I would like to see an end to the current state of commentary, which is, well, the old Novak would have done this, but this new, apparently really bad version of Novak, he does this. Um, Nicole, who we mentioned earlier, actually, she she made a little tweet series about this. And so I, I wanted to talk about this just to, and then talk very briefly about the Tennis Channel and and Paul Anacone, if, if I may. Yeah, oh, please. I don't usually get subjected to the Tennis Channel, but this morning my uh, TSN in Canada, they decided for whatever reason that they weren't going to show Novak's match at all. They were just going to show whatever the Tennis Channel would bring us, which as you well know, is often not tennis. For uh, a network that has a whole market cornered, it's as if they don't know anything about the market that they've cornered. Um, so what Nicole said, and I won't, I won't read the whole thing, um, she says, here's what it seems like every match. We're accustomed to seeing Djokovic and then fill in the blank and then fill in that blank with the opposite of something that anyone who has spent a considerable amount of time watching Novak over the years has seen quite often. So, examples. We're accustomed to seeing Novak serve out a set, a match with ease, never let anything get to him, remain incredibly consistent. This is basically the opposite of what even dominant Novak was doing, that he would fail to serve out a set for no apparent reason, wind up in a tiebreaker against John Isner after letting John Isner break his serve twice in a row while serving for the match. You see it a lot, though, in, in sport. These days, obviously, we're in the middle of the NBA finals. So you have mm-hmm. uh, LeBron James, who's arguably the best basketball player of, of our generation, might even be as good as Jordan. But if you say that, <laughs> the Jordan folks come out of the woodwork and will remind you that Jordan never missed a shot in any series, oh. ever. Hmm. He made every clutch shot because only he could do that, and LeBron is a choker. Yeah. And uh, it, there's just like a rewriting of, of history that goes on, and I think some of it probably stems from them just running out of things to say. But I guess the good news, if you are a fan of Novak, is that he's getting this treatment, and this treatment is reserved for people who are considered all-time greats. So that's the plus side. I think so. 
it's just quite funny that this phenomenon that that Novak didn't used to be like like it, it really does make a person who's a fan of, of Djokovic wonder if these people were watching before because um, well one of the things that happened while tennis channel was choosing not to show tennis because the match was on but instead they had Paul Hanacone and like Paul Hanacone he could have been saying this while they were showing the match but instead they had to show him sitting there with his ball cap or something um, and he was saying well you know this this thing from Novak right now we're seeing a lot of a lot of negative energy but it's not good negative energy you know like how Serena will use this negative energy to channel herself because Serena won yesterday, so, you know, why not? She'd lost <laughs> yesterday. We couldn't use that as an example. <laughs> and, you know, Rafa is this, this, he exudes positivity, positive energy. He's like Mr. Sunshine, right? And, but this, this is just bad energy from Novak, and it's really affecting his play. Well, he was right about Rafa. Fair enough. I mean. Rafa never trashes his racket. He doesn't. He was very positive, though, I remember, in, say, 2015, when he would hit his forehand halfway up the net in the middle of the rally for no reason. And they'd ask him about it in press, and he he wouldn't say anything about, I don't know what happened, or, you know, he'd just be like, no, everything is good, it's fine, I'm happy. Sure. It irritated me a lot while I was already irritated, but then basically as soon as I left the house, the match complained, tur- turned completely on its head. I will say, though, that the, the ending to today's match was like classic old Novak. It's like when... Look like you're almost going to lose for a little bit, win a tight set, and then just blow the guy out in the third set. And even screw up trying to win your blowout set. I guess that was the fourth one. But yet just then break him in the next game. That was that was classic. I mean, I suppose that's a hopeful sign. But he, hey, he may use, lose to Verdasco on Sunday. So. so how can you even say that? Well, because it's possible. Well, of course. Okay, it's possible. Sure. But that's not the way I would be looking at it if I was a, a Djokovic fan right now, which I, I mean, I am sort of. That's not how I'm looking at it on the inside. That's my outward expression of it. Oh, okay. Because like, for example, Nadal going into the uh, 2017 US Open final. I wasn't fearing that difficult matchup against Kevin Anderson. I, I understand that. I was not fearing uh, whatever year it was, the 2016 Indian Wells final against Milos. <laughs> Sorry, Milos. Anyway, I think we're on the same page. I don't think there's ever going to be a change in how the commentators treat these top players, especially the current batch. They're, they're pretty yeah. much kind of stuck in a pat way of dealing with this, and that's what we're going to get. So it's best probably just to mute it. <laughs> Yes, maybe. I, I do like ball noises. Though. Uh, moving on, our podcast is called Code Violation, and I think that sort of stemmed from, um, I think, a collective kind of fascination with, with some of these tennis players acting badly from time to time. At least for me personally, I think that's why I love the name of our podcast. I was thinking of Phil. He'd probably already have a, a ban, though, like a lifetime ban. <laughs> So I thought it would be fun to kind of do like a a segment where we look at some bad behavior and kind of break it down and just see if it was really bad or if it was kind of overblown. And uh, for this episode, we're going to look at our good buddy Jack Sock's performance this week. This is uh, Sock behaving badly. It was not close to the line. It was not close to the line. 
Lett fra Mercedes. So you agree that these are not Lett? I am not sure from here. But so why is there a picture? I, yeah, because you are complaining, so I want someone to double check it. It's fine? It makes no sense. <laughs> I love how the audience is, they sound like a, like a sitcom audience watching this. Yeah, it, it does actually. He... It's like a live studio audience for his horrible stand-up routine. Matt is blocked by Sock. <laughs> so he doesn't care. It should be noted that I'm not blocked for saying anything bad about him. I didn't tag him even. I just said, Sock is complaining about the court speed. And then I did three little giggly crying faces emojis. Em- emoji triggering. Yeah, if it would had just been like one little smiley or like one hysterical laughing emoji, I don't know if it would have caught the block. But anyway, this gets this gets better because he then calls the the umpire atrocious. You're atrocious. So what happens to him for this? Does he get fined or anything? You would think. Like I, I don't know. Like I, I don't. I honestly do not know how they determine what constitutes like a finable offense. Fanini has been fined multiple times, and, and I think he said, well, ba- basically, really misogynistic things in, in a way. But yeah, to, to just call someone atrocious, I don't know. I, uh, you were looking, uh, you were sending me some stuff about players jarring with umpires and it, and it sounds that like maybe they let that stuff go we, we would have to look it probably will get let go i think you're right it is also a weird dynamic when the chair umpires is, is a female because i feel like that's even more hideous what he was doing yeah well and it, it brings in in all sorts of it, it brings in all these other sorts of ugly things like it brings in that that's the fanini case it brings in the misogynistic aspects it brings in the power dynamics it brings in stupid questions like men questioning whether women can umpire their their matches as if you need to have like a penis to call lines right sure can you imagine how bad his matches would be if he had to call his own lines he'd probably be number three in the world first of all (laughs) no that was out was out dude your favorite player i would say and it's not because of the twitter block either it's a, a confluence of things yeah, which continue, obviously. We had a pronunciation thing come up this week, and I, I can't even begin to tackle this one, so why don't you take it? You know what I'm talking about. So Novak, uh, who, who we were speaking about earlier, in his second round, more straightforward match, he played a different Spaniard um, with the name, well, in Spanish, I, I had to look this up. It's pronounced basically... Jaume Munar. Like you kind of pronounce all the vowels in Spanish. Some announcers were getting that basically right. Some of them, the uh, mellifluous Richard Evans, who is, um, I I could never hear him call a a match again in my life and I'd be happy, but his voice sounds very good. But he decided that it was Jome. Young Jome Munar. Quite a solid, a solid player, spectacular really, in some form. I mean, this is not not the Djokovic of old mind, but still, this Jome. So that, that that's what he kept. So I looked. I love that. That was great. I, I wanted to see how you pronounce this. Well, anyway, he's Catalan. And so 
here's I, I looked it up and I had to like figure out how to read all the weird like linguistic symbols and that sort of thing. Um, but in Catalan, there's like a million ways to pronounce everything apparently. But as far as I can tell, his the J would be pronounced as a G. And so it, an approximation of it. So the first name would be like Gaume. A hard G. Yeah, like, it, well, it showed the English pronunciation would be like the G in rogue. Guh. So like, yeah. Guh. And then Munar, which you'd think, okay, how would you pronounce Munar? Munar? No, no, that's the Spanish way. Catalan, the R is a D. So Gaume Munad. A D? Well, what the hell do their D's sound like then? I don't know. Okay. This is Wikipedia too, so one never knows, but this this is what I got. So say it again. Galme Munad. Now say Roland Garros. Roland Garros. <laughs> I love that. That one was probably better. Uh, oh, man. So speaking of Roland Garros, Roland Roland Garros. You have to say the R like you're, like you're spitting it out of the back of your throat. Holland. Holland. Holland Garros. Yeah, kind of, kind of like that. It's like almost like an H. It's grotesque. <laughs> it's such a nice city in in France too, with Roland Garros. But what a weird name. Right. Yes. You can ask Phil where 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 is Roland Garros? Okay. So speaking of the tournament. Uh, one thing that's stuck out for me is that Kei Nishikori seems to be blistering through his matches. I think Kei's the guy right now. He's the the big challenger, the dark horse. See, I was interesting thing about this that I, this was a a Twitter thing. I didn't think. I was thinking, okay, so the the quarter, you know, kind of looking in my head. Where's Djokovic if he gets into the semi? Who is he going to face? And I'm thinking, okay, you got Team and you got Zverev. They've been playing really well on clay. They're the people there. And Kay, I was like, well, you know, third. But Kay's playing team on Sunday. And I think this is right. We, we, this, you, can, you can fix it if it's not. I think he has not actually lost a set to team. Not even a match. Like, has not lost a set. On any surface or on clay? No, like at all. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I should look this up, but I don't have time. But, yeah, I, I think then they might not have played that many times, but he is not, he does not like playing K, which it would make sense because he doesn't like playing Novak either, and they're, they both rush you. Yeah. And I think that's, that's where that comes from. Well, K's movement is awesome, so he can, he's going to be able to get to a lot of balls that, that other players probably aren't able to get to. He does absorb pace, so that would also make sense. I mean, is team not a great returner? Because Kay's serve seems vulnerable to me. He's not a spectacular returner because he has a one-handed backhand, which is... Uh, actually, just take a look at, at Steve Tigner's Tennis.com article on backhands. That will say anything that I was going to say anyway. But yeah, um, for somebody with a one-handed backhand, I think he's got a, he's got a decent return because um, he, he does stand way back and he will crush on your second serve. So yeah, there's there's probably some... Some leverage you could get there. Jumping over to the WTA, that side of uh, the French Open seems wide open. I honestly haven't seen much. I was pretty surprised to see Svitolina go down. Me too. Today. 
Um, I, I really like her. She play. I like how she plays most of the time. Um, you know, I think she's got a good attitude. She won Rome. Like it seemed good. But Mahalia Buzarnescu, who I learned today, has a PhD. Smarty pants. Um, and who's thirty years old is is making this breakthrough. And she'd actually, I did know. Like I, I don't. It's not like I didn't know who she was. But I, the only reason I knew who she was is because she's been making like a lot of strides in the last few months. So I, I kind of picked her as a sleeper to get through early, but I, I wasn't I wasn't looking at her to get through this match. So that would have been surprising. Um, another, I don't know. I mean, I'm still thinking that like Halep looks good to the to the final. I would say, but that's like who I don't really know. Um, and for me, like the the bottom half, another player I really like is is Daria Kasatkina. Dasha. And I think she has yeah, I, I think she's got a good shot. She's I believe she's playing Wozniaki next. She should win that, but that Woz isn't the greatest clay player, but that doesn't mean that she will. And Woz was really good today. So brilliant today, yeah. So who knows? I pulled a clip of Serena talking about her outfit because that seems to be a fun topic for, for everybody at every tournament. What Serena wears, what she looks like. Um, as for the cat suit, the new version, 2.0, um, it's cool. I, I call it like my Wakanda-inspired, you know, cat suit. It's it's really fun. Although we designed it way before the movie, but still, it kind of reminds me of that. And it's um, it was comfortable. I tried it on a couple of times before. Um, hadn't tried it on in a long time, like over a month. Um, so I was just winging it in the last minute. She should have worn it to the uh, royal wedding. Oh yeah, you're right. Now that that would have been a statement. So the the cat suit has. Did you hear about like it? It's created weird sort of controversy. Um, the Christina Pliskova, after her loss to, to Serena, was asked about it, and it was briefly controversial before they figured out that it wasn't. But there was a another. Um, Another WTA player, uh, Ariana Rodianova, I believe, who was saying, yes, well, this is against the rules and et cetera. So th there's, there's all kinds of things going on there. What does that even mean, against the rules? According to uh, both these ladies, um, Pliskova and Rodianova, that as a female tennis player, you're, you have to wear shorts or a skirt, and you're not allowed to wear pants. So the cat suit, because it's, it's a bodysuit, apparently is, is against the rules. And so what they're implying and what people were getting upset is, well, it's because Serena that she can do it. But it brings into all kinds of other questions, like why are there rules for what women can wear? Does that apply to the Manuel? I mean, maybe it does, but like why why a skirt? Like all, all these kinds of th weird things. Because like what, what does that have to do with playing tennis? I imagine there's a good amount of tennis fans that would want to see team in a cat suit. I, I suspect you are right. Call me crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but what's interesting about the cat suit is that I hadn't like initially because I didn't, I wasn't able to see Serena play. Um, I didn't think that much about it, but it is sort of a big statement because Serena is, and, and she's brought up this other issue um, with pregnancy leave and, and that sort of thing. She's a woman. She's what thirty-seven now, and women over thirty-five. There was a a blog post that. Um, 
Twitter's bad toss, um, Kathy Prendergast, had written about this. Women being who are over 35 are at a much higher risk for a number of things um, with pregnancies. And, and um, Serena almost died. And she's had some trouble like getting herself back into shape because she couldn't she couldn't really do anything training for the first few months because of all this. And so the, the point was that if you're a woman, you kind of have to have to wait like till either you wait well later into your career like this, like Serena and risk these kind of complications and risk, you know, all kinds of things that, that women think about when they get to be a little older, or you try to, you do it in the middle of the career and you, you sacrifice like some years possibly more than one year because you you lose your ranking and all those sort of things you're sacrificing things out of your career and it's you know men like we have every member save rafa of the big four that have had like well some of them all of them multiple children and it obviously hasn't had a great effect on their on their career and so what the arguments from some quarters is like well you know this is a choice pregnancy is a choice but it's a choice for men too, but only women have to bear the, the consequences of it. So anyway, so a lot of things have, have come out of that. So what the cat suit is kind of saying is like, I'm 37 years old. I had a baby. I'm back playing professional tennis. This is what I look like. You know, here it is. Let's go. Besides, you know, the aesthetic of it, I also read that, that there was a benefit to the material and that it was more of a like a compression kind of garment which is something that a lot of dudes wear underneath right anyway okay so it's actually like a it helps like recovery and during the match and that sort of thing. and circulation and all that stuff yeah so maybe we will see the cat suit become a regular thing she could win this damn thing too you think i do think I, what would be interesting to see um i, I quite like uh well, speaking of players feeling uh, behaving badly, Karolina Pliskova destroyed an umpire's chair, and I'm not even quite sure what came out of that. I, I think she got fined. Um, the ITF doesn't, the ITF and the WTA are different things, so it was never a question she'd get. She wouldn't be able to play uh, this tournament, but she's playing Sharapova next. So I, I kind of like to see Karolina get through that, but. If Serena can get through her next match and Sharapova gets through her next match, then we have possibly Maria Sharapova's greatest opportunity ever to beat Serena for the first time in, I don't know, 37 years. Wait, no. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Sharapova, I was watching my favorite show and one of the best shows on television. Wait, I'm not going to say what it is. Because I want people to <laughs> figure it out. Okay. Uh, she says you have real forehand. <laughs> do a thing, do it well. Your mother teach you that? The opposite, maybe. So to get full credit, and we will shout you out on the next uh, episode of this, we need the name of the show, and we need the name of the two male actors that you heard in that clip well i know i can't answer that wait you can't or can can't oh, okay well if you watch the show you certainly can and if you don't watch the show you should absolutely start watching the show because it's fantastic <laughs> well i have got to run out the door so you got to run out what 
got to run out the door right away here. So do you need any sort of outro material? No. Thank you to those of you who shared our podcast on uh, episode one. And uh, thank you for spreading the word. Continue to do it if you like it. And if you don't, um, then you want to tweet at Ajinkia because this is all his fault. Apps, absolutely. What, what's his Ajinkia? full app? Oh, I'm going to find it. Ajinkia VR. So that's at A-J-I-N-K-Y-A VR. Yes, he's in Texas, I believe, too. So if you're in Texas, yes. um, we can probably find out his address and then you can go pay him a visit personally, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, it sounds like a good thing to do. So all direct all complaints to him. On the content, on the audio quality, and also just about tennis because he's really, really off the mark usually. <laughs> See, this is what happens. I love this. If you if you cross us or cross me, I don't know, cross us. Cross you. Then it, yeah, he crossed me. He is living to regret this. Yes, I can use the microphone as a weapon. Disgusting saints. All right, brother, go get your kids. Will do. That's at 2ND. <laughs> Second serve hack. 2ND serve hack. And uh, I'm MC Sound Design. We're out. Mm-hmm.